not nothing we've done. It's just who he is. It's just who he is. For God is love. <laughs> How about little Cooper, Brother Donnie? Ain't that cool? Amen. You got to grease Brother Donnie's ears just to get him in the door. Look at him over there holding that grandbaby. Amen. Genesis chapter number 39, and we're going to read just two or three verses there, and then we're going to read in verse chapter 40. Uh, I'm glad I know who Jesus is. But I'm even more glad he knows who I am. And I'm glad I get to go to a place where it's obvious that he likes hanging around. Hallelujah. They say, say, why is that? If you've ever been where he ain't, you'll be glad to be where he is. Amen. Genesis 39, verse 20. And Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison. Now, most of you have been here the last three weeks. We've been preaching about Joseph and his destiny. On the way to the palace, we know he's been in three other or two other places besides what we're reading today. He's been in the pit, he's been at Potiphar's, and now he's in the prison. His destination is the place of God. The Bible says in Genesis 50, Job told, or excuse me, Joseph told his brothers, I am in the place of God. That's that palace. That was that place of blessing and favor. And, and, but in order to get to that place, he had to go to three other places. And, and the two weeks ago, we talked about the pit and how God will take us to the pit to strip us of who we are and, and to strip us of everything that's significant about us so he could take us out and put him in. You can't feel something till you empty it. There's not going to be anything mixed with God. You're not going to mix spirit and flesh. He's got to, listen, get all self out so he can put his spirit in. And then he took Potiphar's house to educate him and develop him and, and get him ready for his destiny. Well, we know, we know that that old crazy woman lied about him, Potiphar's wife. And, and, and you know, things will happen. People will do you wrong. People will just do you wrong. Now he's in prison. The Bible says his master took him and put him in prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. That's not a, that's not a coincidence. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph said, I'm in prison, but I know he lives. Why? Because he's with me. Showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made to prosper. And it came to pass after these things that the butler, the king of Egypt and his baker and uh, had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wroth against the two of his officers, against the chief of the butler and against the chief of the bakers. He put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them. Now read these next four words with me. And, and, and they continued a season in the ward. Pop, would you lead us in prayer? Uh, uh, and, and ask the Lord to touch us here this morning. Would you? Every head bow and every eye close.
Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We originally intended, before this month began, to use this month to focus on service, to focus on uh, our uh, using what God has given us to serve Him, to be a blessing to other people. Uh, we know that, that we are to be disciples. All year last year we talked about being disciples, developing disciples. A disciple is one that loves God, loves others, and serves both. And, and, and we wanted to focus on that this month to encourage our people to find a place of service, to find a place uh, to be involved in the work of God, to be involved in helping others, blessing others, encouraging others, and that type of thing. And and, and I, that was my intention to go into a, 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 a month of teaching and preaching on serving God and developing gifts and that type of thing. And, and it's amazing how God does what he wants to do. Say amen. I, ne- I never dreamed in a million years that I would be teaching on service and have to go to a pit to get there. I never dreamed that, listen, that God would bring us to a place where we would study about being stripped of everything that is significant to us and, and taking us to a place of utter despair where it seems like that God is nowhere around. The Bible says in Potiphar's house, the Lord was with him. In the prison, the Lord was with him. But the Bible says that pit was just empty. Sometimes God will take us to a place even though He is with us. We don't feel it. He don't manifest His presence to us. And all we feel around us is emptiness and being alone. Job said, I looked to the front, I looked to the back, I looked to the sides, I looked all around me, but I can't find God anywhere. But he said this, I know my Redeemer liveth, and He shall stand to the latter day on this earth. And though the skin worms destroy this body of mine, yet in my flesh I shall see God. I may not can feel Him. I may not can see Him. I may not know where He is. But one blessed thing I do know, I know He's alive. I know my Redeemer liveth. Lord, before we can be in the place of God, before we can be in the destined place, the, the place of destiny, the place of blessing and favor and, and anointing and, and all of that, the place of God that He said in Genesis 50, we got to go through a pit. And oh, in that pit, the Bible says that God, what did he, y'all remember, what did he do to him in the pit? There he, he emptied him. Say it with me, he, he emptied him. Then we see he took him out of the pit and now we are here at Potiphar's house and, and he begins to learn the culture. He begins to learn the language. He, he, listen, God strategically put him in a place where he was close to the palace. So he could learn everything he needed to learn, not, to, not just to use it there in Potiphar's house, but it was there he learned it so he could use it in the palace. And in the pit, God emptied him, but in Potiphar's house, God he educated him. Now we're seeing he's in a prison. He's in a prison. It seems it goes from bad to worse. But let me tell you something. God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And I want to share this with you. I, I, I preached on the pit down in Florida. I didn't feel like it went anywhere. I, honest to God, I didn't feel it. I just I, I, It's probably just me and, 
And man, folks come up to me after and said, man, I'm in that pit. I'm, I'm the, you know what? There's different people in this place, and sometimes we're not always going to be in the same place. There's some folks in here that's in the deepest, darkest pit they could ever imagine. I mean, they can relate to the pit big time. They can relate to the pit. They can relate to feeling empty. They can relate to feeling alone. They can relate to feeling hopeless like this thing ain't never going to happen. I'm never going to see God move in my life. I'm never going to be in my destiny. I'm never going to get to the place where I can enjoy the, the Spirit of God. And I, I, just, I just don't know where God is. That's where they're at right now. But then where's others? There's others here that's, that's been there before, but there's others here that are in that place of education. They're in that place where they feel like they're stagnated. They feel like they're, they're stuck in a rut. They feel like, listen, that what they're doing has no purpose. They feel like what they're doing has no reason, and, and they feel like, are we just here? Is this, what, is this all that there is? I see God move, and I see God touch, but, but is this... Is, and we want, to, we want to discount what God is doing to us so that one day God can do through us. What do we need to do? In them times, be faithful. Stay with it. Stay with it. Listen, learn all you can learn. See all you can. Know all you can. Because one day, God's going to use that in your destiny. Well, what did he do in the prison? The Bible says, here in these verses, the key, the key verse here is, is in, in, the, in the prison, it was he stripped him. But then the key, key phrase and verse in, the, in Potiphar's house is that he put everything in his hand. But then in this one, the Bible says, I believe, I believe the key phrase is this, and Joseph served them. Jesus said, I came not to be ministered to, but to minister. Je- Listen, Jesus said, the greatest shall be servant of all. Preacher, what are you saying? Before he employed him in the palace, he employed him in the prison. God stripped him. God, listen, emptied him. Then God educated. Then God said, all right. Let's see where you're at. Because before I can, I can put you out on the field, in the Super Bowl, I got to see what you're going to do in the practice field. Because if you can't complete a pass on the practice field, you sure don't need to be on the playing field. And all of us want to be in the big game. But God needs to see what you got. In the prison is where God employed him. Where God employed him. God put him to work. The Bible says that he served them. Now, I want to give you three quick things. Three quick things. I've got a preach in McDonough, Georgia tonight. And Brother Dave McCoy's. I said, Lord, am I going to make it? I, I asked Brother Steve Gardner if he'd go with me. I said, Steve, will we have enough time to make it? He said, if you let me drive, we will. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I love that man. Hallelujah. <laughs> Can you imagine me and Steve riding up into McDonough, Georgia, him on the front of a Harley, me on the back with a skull cap on and my tie flapping in the wind? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Bless God, we'd have revival tonight, wouldn't we, Steve? Amen. Rev on a hog. Hallelujah. 
Listen, three quick things, three quick things this morning. When you're in the prison, there's some things you need to see. You're in that place of, of, of serving, and that's where we are. We want everybody. We've, got, we've had sign-up sheets out there in the foyer for a while. Uh, this coming Saturday, uh, we're going to have training and develop for, development for a bunch of different ministries that are out there, and we want you to be involved in that. Listen, if you're not doing something, you need to get started. Well, I don't know anything. Well, come and check these things out. There's a list of them back there. You can come. This doesn't mean you have to do it, but we're wanting to give you information about it and get involved. I'm telling you, the greatest place and the greatest way to get to your destiny is get to serving. The simplest form, the simplest way. Now, listen. Now, in, in, in this place that I see, there was three things that God showed me in this chapter, and I want to share with you. Number one. Number one, when you're on your road to destiny, the first thing you need to see is a divine orchestration. A divine orchestration. What does that mean? Uh, There is somebody that is orchestrating all this. There is somebody that's putting all this stuff together. There is somebody that's taking this and that and placing it in your life and putting all things together for his purpose. Listen, if you will go, we have the... We have the privilege and the ability to go and read the whole chapter backwards and forward. Now, Joseph didn't have this. He was just living it out. Now, we can go back to chapter 37. We can go back or forward to chapter 50, and we can look at the whole deal and see God's hand in it. But Joseph didn't have that luxury. Joseph was just living it day by day, week by week, month by month. But God gave us that story to teach us that God is in control. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And everything that you face, everything that you go through, every difficulty you have, every tribulation you walk through, every valley that you wade through, every mountain that you climb, it is being divinely orchestrated by a God in heaven who knows what you need and knows where He's taking you. And He's got everything under control. There is divine orchestration. How do you see divine orchestration? I see it in this chapter. The Bible said that he didn't just get in any prison. He didn't just get in any uh, lockup or any jail. The Bible said he was in the prison where the king's prisoners were kept. Now, where was his ultimate destination? It was in the palace. And there's no greater way to get closer to the palace to get around the king's prisoners. I need a witness in the house divinely orchestrating everything, divinely putting it all together. The ultimate destination was to be in Egypt. So what did God do? He pulled him out of a pit and sold him to people that was going to Egypt. And when he got to Egypt, he was sold to a man who was close to the king. He was going to the palace. I mean, one step after another. Every step he took was closer to the king's palace. Every step he took was closer to the destiny that God had for him. No matter how difficult it is, no matter how hard it is, God is divinely orchestrating your life, divinely orchestrating your plan. And I'm here to tell you, you may not know why you're going through what you're going through. You may not know why you're facing what you're facing. But there is a God in heaven who's got it all written down. And He has got a divine destiny for you. I don't know why I did this. I remember, I remember when I was, I was, I was in high school. I remember when I was in high school, I was a junior in high school, never played golf before in my life. I made fun of people who played golf. I thought they were sissies. I seen what they dressed and how they acted out there. I thought they was crazy and weird and, and sissies. I was redneck to the core. And then it dawned on me. 
Then it dawned on me when I, was, I, was, I had a carpentry teacher, and the carpentry class was two-hour class, and the soccer field was behind the carpentry shop, and the carpentry teacher just happened to be the golf coach. And, and, and listen, at my junior year in, in, in high school, I started playing golf. Never had played before in my life. One, one of the teachers come out, he had an old antique, it was his grandfather's, it was one in Persimmon, you remember that, Persimmon Woods, an uh, old antique golf club, and uh, I said, man, let me use that thing. I swung it and I broke it. It went, the head of the club went farther than the golf ball did. Matter of fact, when I came out to tryouts, uh, uh, to, the, to the golf course for the tryouts, my coach, well, I can't repeat everything he said, but he said, oh my God, oh, not him. But, man, I wanted to play. I, I got hooked to that stuff every day. Well, mom and dad's here, but every day during carpentry class, two hours a day, we was on the soccer field hitting golf balls, baby. We was hitting them. I went, I went and got, a, I went and got a, a, a job at a golf course. Went and got a job at a golf course. Not because I wanted a job. I wanted to play free golf. Because if I had a job at the golf course, I could play free golf. And, buddy, I played free golf. I played every day, every day. I mean, after church on Sunday, Dad would say, in Jesus' name, amen. Boom, I'd take out of there and I'd play nine holes and get back for church that night. Son, I loved it. My junior, senior year, played golf every day. I mean, worked at the golf course, worked at the golf course. I thought I was working at the golf course so I could play free golf. But I found out later on when I went to Bible college, y'all ain't going to believe where I got a job. At the golf course. That ain't all. That ain't all. Through that golf course, they had a clubhouse. I mean, this was this was not a golf. This was a country club. And listen, above the clubhouse, they had an apartment. Listen, a uh, 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 apartment, and they had a they had a TV screen about as big as that screen right there. I mean, everything through that. I got a job there. Not only that, I got free rent. They let me live in the apartment. I didn't have no bills. I didn't pay for electric. I didn't pay for water. I didn't pay for rent. I'm talking about through my through my time in Bible college. I was. Are y'all with me? Now, God's seen, he didn't see that I needed to play free golf. God said, this dummy don't know nothing else, so he's going to have to go to Bible college, and he's so dumb, he don't know nothing else. I better hook him up with something because he's going to be broke and homeless. Say amen. So through that, God was taking care of me. He had landed, I mean, just landed. I had no clue, no clue whatsoever. But here I am, while everybody is sacrificing and suffering for Jesus, I'm living in the penthouse above the clubhouse. Dad and him and call church people, call, how you doing? Well, I'm making it. It's just, I'm making it. And God was just divinely orchestrating that, that whole deal. Let me tell you about the, this don't have nothing to do with the message, but I'm going to say it. Then I fell in love. I'm talking about head over heels, I mean, just slam. That's when, that's showing up. Slam, fell in love. I left the penthouse. Go live. I'd have done it again. Listen, but God directed everything. I remember, I remember when, when uh, it was right after me and Tammy got, we hadn't been married long and, and, uh, and uh, there, there, there's a, a little, little, little uh, Methodist church in Augusta, Georgia. They uh, they didn't have a preacher, and 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 they'd call the Bible college and see if somebody'd come out and fill in. Well, I'd go out and fill in, 
Buddy, I'd have a big time. I just wanted to preach, man. It didn't matter where it was. I'd preach in the Vatican if Pope would let me. I'm telling you, I, it didn't matter to me. And I'd go out there and preach, and they just loved me and loved Tammy. And they said, well, you, you just keep coming out. And I asked Dr. Brown for his permission. And, and every Sunday morning, Sunday night, when they took us, they gave us a little house there in Augusta, Georgia. Tammy, we just found out Tammy was pregnant. They helped us with it. I'm talking about right on time, every time, God just put it all together. Oh, but 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 I got I, I got one for you. I got one. For, but what about them people that disobey God? Yeah, he can work on that too. That's Jonah. I'm going this way. God said, "Go that way." You ever notice that in that chapter in Jonah chapter one, where where God gave him instructions and told him what to do, that everything he said he went down to, went down in the ship. Listen, when you run from God, the only place is down. But that's okay. That's all right. You go ahead and run from God, and God's got a fish waiting on you. He sure does. He's got a storm waiting on you. He's got winds and waves waiting on you. And he's got you a trip, and and it ain't the love boat neither. But I guarantee you this, when he's through with you, you'll be going the right direction. I'm talking about, I'm talking about a, a, a long journey. And son, he was picking up paper, Bubba. He got there way before he should have because he ran till he got there. God can use your stupidity. He's used plenty of mine. He can use yours too. I don't want you sitting in here thinking, well, God just divinely orchestrates all the good stuff if we behave. Not, no, no, no. He'll take your good and your bad. Bible says Romans Romans eight twenty eight for God listen what what does it say all things work together all things work together does God want you to disobey no but God can take that and use it for your good say Amen we see divine orchestration in the placement he experienced he was in the king's house. He was in the king's house. He was right in line where he needed to be. Not only that, but the prosperity he experienced. I, I didn't see it. I didn't see it as much at the time, but now I can look back and see God's hand on my life during that time. During, listen, the time at Long Branch Baptist Church, during the time that down at Dad's, during the time back in school, during all those times, I could see how good God had been to me. Now, sometimes it's not easy to see that when you're in it. But, boy, when you look back at it, say amen. Why is that important, preacher, to know? Because you need to understand God is working in your life. And if what you're facing right now is a dark time, just understand it's okay. It ain't going to last long. It ain't going to be forever. God will use it. If y'all agree, say amen. We see divine orchestration. But then number two, this is really the meat of the message. Number two, I want you to see a delivered opportunity. A delivered opportunity. This is where we really need to think and hunker down here a minute as us church people. God wants us to serve him. How do we serve him? By serving others. How many of y'all have ever just looked at the life of Christ and what he didn't do nothing but help people 
I'm talking about from the beginning to the end, he wasn't doing nothing but touching people and encouraging people and saving people and, and changing people and healing people and blessing people and feeding people and calming people and encouraging people. That's all he did. We're the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. We are what he would be doing if he was here. Are you all with me? You still with me? Now, watch this. In this, I, I begin to read this, and the Bible says he served them. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, if I'm in a good place, then I'll do Well, wait a minute. He was in prison for something he didn't do. But he was divinely placed there. So what did he do? He just served where he was. Quit waiting to get somewhere. Just do what you're going to do now. I mean, I don't know how many times Dr. Brown would tell them guys in school to look. Because he would encourage them, go to the nursing home and preach. Go to the prisons and preach. Go to the jails and preach. Go to the, the daycares and preach. Go to places there was opportunities galore for people to go preach. And them guys wouldn't take advantage of it. Man, I you couldn't keep me from it. I wanted to. I wanted to be there. Man, I want to preach. I want to. It's, it's just something I got. It's an itch I got to scratch. I'm just telling you. I got. But that was what, he said, look, if you're not going to do it here, you're not going to do it out there. Basically, what they were doing there is waiting for that church. Well, I'm waiting for a church to call me. Well, son, if you're not going to serve right where you are, God ain't going to take you to where you want to be. And before God puts you up on that uplifted place, you need to learn to give that glass of water when nobody else sees it. He served them. Now, let's talk about that just a minute. I said a delivered opportunity. A delivered opportunity. Do you realize every Christian in this room right here has a great opportunity? Now, I know what you think, but I, I'm, I'm, talking, I wanna, I'm talking about that destiny thing. That's what I'm talking about. Getting to that place. Getting to that place where there is divine favor on your life and divine provision on your life. But this is a place you got to be before you get to the place. Now, what did Joseph do? He came in that day. He was fulfilling his responsibilities. He was serving. He was just being a servant. Every great leader is first a servant first. The problem with most people, they may have great skills, but you can never lead until you learn to follow. Boy, he was in there serving. He was, the Bible said he served them. He, he was being a blessing. He looked on them. The Bible said they had a dream that bothered them. They had a dream that they were all tore up about. And here's the deal. In this opportunity, you say, where does the opportunity come from? Look here. There's a delivered opportunity, A, write this down, through a certain problem. Through a certain problem. And this is what I, I want you to get. We're, and, and, and this, is kind of, this is kind of like something that you don't really hear much in church. Because most churches, we're, in thing, we're trying to get away from problems. We're trying to avoid problems. I, you know, the old saying, boy, the ministry would be wonderful if it wasn't for the people. And, and you, you know, here's what you got to understand. That's like saying, boy, the harvest would be great if it wasn't for the corn. Well, the corn is the harvest. Well, ministry is people. What is ministry? All it is is problem solving. You know, when people will flock to the church, when they get their problems solved. How many of y'all have ever had a kidney stone? Raise your hand. Had, had a kidney stone. 
How many of y'all have never had a kidney stone? Raise your hand. You never had. I hate all of y'all. Never had a kidney stone. I got, I, most of y'all have heard this, but I'm going to tell it again. There's a lot of people hadn't heard this. But I got one one night. I was coon hunting one night and come home. It was about 2 o'clock in the morning. And I started feeling uncomfortable coming home. Just I didn't know what it was. I said, man. I was, I was going and I, I went in the house and I said, my goodness, I need to take a shower or something. And, and I, I tried to do everything in the world to get some kind of relief. And I just, I need to lay down. I, I, lay, I lay down, I go to sleep and everything be all right. And I, I laid down about three and a half seconds later. I got back up out of that bed. I, was, I mean, I was just, I was, I was hurting. My wife says, honey, what's wrong? She wakes up. What's wrong? I said, man, I, there's something wrong with me. I don't know what it is. I, man, I, my back's, I, I can't even, hurt. I, I, I got to go to the hospital. She said, well, I'll get the kids up. And I, I said, no, 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 no. I'm going now. I ain't waiting on nothing. And son bowed over in that car. I got in that car and I went to the hospital, all bowed over and went in that hospital room. That late, and it was, thank God it was that late in the morning because there wasn't nobody in there. Went, went right in there, got an IV, and, and they put some medicine in there, and it didn't do a blessed thing, not one thing. And that lady come back in there and said, ma'am, I want to tell you something. I promise you this. I promise you I am not no sissy, but I'm telling you I'm about to die. Did I'll be right back. She came back, had a little something about that much in there, and she put in that IV, and I could feel it going up my arm. So when it hit my chest, I said, hey. That woman said, Mr. Carter, you just go to sleep. I said, yes, ma'am. Son, I got relief. That was the ugliest woman I ever seen, but I promise you this, I'd kiss her right in the mouth to get that shot again. Son, I hurt. She told me, she said, said, honey, she said, I've talked to ladies, and they've had children and had kidney stones, and they'd rather have children. I said, ma'am, you're not really helping me right now. That's the worst I've ever heard in my life. And you know what? Nobody had to say, will you please go to the hospital? Would you please come Come on? Oh, come on. Come on. Bubba, I'd run you over to get there. You know why? They solved my problem. Why are churches empty today? They're not solving no problem. There's false advertising. You look on the sign. We have the answer. And you go in and they don't even know the question. We're about problem solving. I'm telling you, you are, listen, your worth is determined by the problems you can solve. I told you this before. There's two guys in, in, in New York. One is a sanitation uh, officer. Amen. You can't say garbage man anymore. That's not politically correct. Amen. He solves a certain problem. He makes $20 an hour. Then you have a lawyer in, in, in New York. He gets $200 an hour. Why? He solves a different problem, which makes him worth more what's going to make our church listen it's our ability to solve problems and man when this dawned on me we need to quit trying to get away from them and trying to avoid them and try to run from them and try to ignore them and and pray that they'll take their problem somewhere else no sir no sir that's why we're here we are a hospital we are a problem solving agency greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world if the world can't bring their problem to the church where in God's name are they going to bring it? 
And we don't need to look at problems as the worst thing in the world. We need to look at problems as an opportunity to see the power of God at work, to see God move in a miraculous way. I serve a prayer answering God who's got more power than anything on this earth. Joseph walked in and he found a problem. He found a problem. Man, guys, why y'all, why y'all so tore up? There was a, listen, a certain problem. How do you know, how do you know that God will bring problems our way so we can see him? John 9 verse 1 says, And Jesus passed by and he saw a man that was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents? He was born blind. Jesus answered, Neither had this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. And then he healed him. See, without a death, you couldn't have a resurrection. See, everybody, Mary and Martha, Brother Donnie got bent out of shape because Jesus didn't come because he was the healer. He was the, he was the great physician and he could have touched him and healed him so he hadn't died. But Jesus wanted to show him something else. Jesus wanted to show another characteristic of himself, another, uh, another definition of who he was, that he was not just a good doctor. He was not just a healer. He was not just a prophet. He was the resurrection. And you can't have a resurrection without a death. These problems. Listen, our service, our service teams, all of them are about solving problems. Somebody comes in as a first-time attender. You don't know what they've been through. Why do you think I encourage you and influence and do everything I can to get you to smile? Get you to worship. Get you to love God and see that He lives. Why do you think we sing what we do and do what we do? Because there's going to be people that coming out of that world that thinks the world is over husband may have left him, their wife may have left him, their kid may have got pregnant. You don't, you don't ever know what is in the deal. Listen, I went, I went to that hospital hoping to God they could do something for me. And they're coming here not because they're a good preacher. They ain't never heard him. Not because of good singing. They've never heard it. They're not here because y'all are such great people. Y'all are, but they don't know none of y'all. They're here because they got a problem. And by the way, don't we all? I come today because I, I, I need to bring some problems to God. I have some needs I need to give. Richard, what's service all about? It's simple. This opportunity was delivered through a certain problem. Say that with me. Through a, but then through a, B, put this down, a caring person. <laughs> Somebody's got to care. Somebody's got to care. Y'all, we're the church. We're, we're, we're the body of Christ. We are, we are what Christ would be if he was here. That one song, I think Cash and Crown sing it, about the body. We are the body. If we're the body, why aren't we? Amen? Listen, listen. If we're the body of Christ, if we are God's people, 
We're supposed to be serving, looking for problems. But the only way we're going to do that is if we care. we got to care. Now, most of us, most of us, a lot of us, I, I've been guilty of this before, I, I'll, I'll come, and the only problem I'm thinking about, mine. Now you say, oh, but Joseph, he didn't have a problem. Oh, really? Then why did, after he interpreted the dream, he said, would you please get me out of here? He said, please, would you do something? Man, would you, would you I don't even deserve to be here. I was stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and, and, and even, even being in here, man, somebody lied on me. I don't even deserve to be Man, would you help me? But before he said about his problem, he fixed the other guy's problem. Listen, this caring, this caring person. Write, write one, two, three under this, because this, this is cool. In order to be a caring person and take advantage of the opportunity that God gives us, there's got to be, number one, there's got to be perception or be perceptive. That means to be able to be aware or sensitive, to see, to see. What's that mean? What's that mean? If we're so blinded, by everybody else's needs, that all we can see is ourselves will never be what God wants us to be. Where do you see that in here? The Bible says, that, now didn't, didn't we disagree that Joseph had a problem? He's in a place he didn't belong, he's in a place that he didn't deserve, and he was struggling with that, and he didn't want to be there. He had major problems. And even in the, and the Bible says, I believe in the book of Psalms, that it says that he was in shackles of iron that hurt his feet. So he had issues. But when he come in, the Bible says he looked upon them and they looked sad. You know what we need to do? We, we can bring our problems to church with us, but you know what we do if we were the body of Christ like we should be and, 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 and have the anointing of God on us? If we'll start coming and looking for everybody else's. We'll just come looking for everybody else's burden. Now, not to be nosy. Not to be nosy. Hank Williams said it well. Mind your own business and you won't be minding mine. Say amen right there. It's not about getting all the nitty-gritty details. It's about seeing somebody that's burdened and saying, man, can I pray for you? Is there anything I can do for you? Is there anything? Can I, can I be a blessing? Can I be an encouragement? We've got Satan that's ravishing families. He's destroying relationships. He's doing everything he can to destroy people. And if you see somebody that's burdened, man, just walk up to him and say, man, I'm praying for you. Is there anything I can do for you? I want to help you carry the burdens you've got. We're to bear one another's burdens in Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. Boy, if what, what would happen if just... Half of us would start doing that. Is there anything I can pray for you about? Do you have a need? Is there a burden? Why? Because I care about you. I'm the body of Christ. I'm here to carry and help you with your problem. Man, what would happen? We wouldn't, we wouldn't have enough chairs in this building. Why? Because Coleman County would know that there's a place on the corner of 157 and Campground Road where I can take my problems and people care about me there. other people's needs. We need to start being aware of people's needs around us. Not only was he perceptive, but then, then he was compassionate. He said, oh, guys, what's wrong? You mean, well, that just goes with number one. No, it don't. No, it don't. Because there was a, the Bible says that there was a man who was, who was, who was robbed by thieves and thrown in the ditch, and, and there was people that saw it but walked on the other way. So they were perceptive, but they were not passionate. 
Jesus said that when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. What does that mean? That, 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 listen, we need to, our, the Bible says my, my eyes affect my heart, and, and if we see the need, let's be moved to meet it. The book of James says that there are people that see the need, but say be warmed and filled. In other words, you have a jacket to help them with, but you just see them cold, just God bless you. Hey, hey, God wants to bless them through you. You are Jesus on this earth. Amen. Listen, we'll take care or take advantage of opportunities if we're, we see the problem and, and, and we're compassionate about it, we care. I think our greatest need in the church right now is for care members. First time attender care members. Oh, I don't know if I could do that. Nobody that did it thought they could do it. When we first started it, when we first started it, some of y'all were here when we was in the little building, and you tell me if I'm not telling the truth. The most shy individual in this country when it gets around is Miss Shirley Mickle. And Miss Shirley Mickle did it when we was in the, when we was in the little building. We, I thought there ain't no way. They ain't gonna, we'd have to take crowbar and try. There ain't no way. There's no way. I, you said it's going to happen, but I don't believe it. Chad said, if you can do it, I'll help you. And Chad was all positive. I said, there ain't no way. I'll believe it when I see it. And lo and behold, she was there at the, when Miss Marie, uh, Brother Bobby's mother-in-law, was one to Christ. If she can do it, anybody can do it. All it takes is somebody to care. Listen, that caring person has to be perceptive. They have to be passionate. But then I seen this, too. This is real important. Number three. They got to be prepared. Say, so what are you getting at? This is what dawned on me. And this is what, and I'm telling you, and I'm telling you, when you write that down, don't you look up at me, because this is why a lot of y'all ain't doing anything. When he, when he said he heard the problem, he realized the problem. He said, he said man, we got a dream we can't interpret. Man, it's tearing us up. And, and uh, he said, well, don't interpretation belong to God? Tell me about it. You know what that told me? He had enough confidence in his relationship with God and his walk with God that he knew he'd get a hold of them. Do you know why some of us won't try to help somebody else's problem? Because we ain't even close enough to God to fix our own problem. But Joseph was prepared. I don't need, listen, if, if you come to me with a problem, now I don't trust me, I'm not, uh, you know, on a... a, a Every 24 hours, 27 days a week, I'm just, I mean, in tune with God. I, I got issues in my life, and sometimes I got to come to God and make things right and do all that. Thing. But I'm telling you, when you come to me with a burden, I don't need to have to spend three days to get right with God before I can bring your burden to Him. He was ready. He was prepared. He was not bitter about the pit. He was not broken about Potiphar's house. He knew that God had a plan because he had seen a dream a long time ago and he knew that God was on his side. He knew the Lord was with him and his relationship was right in such a way that when the problem arose, he could do something about it. Amen. Are you where you need to be with God so you could do something about it? Do you have enough confidence right now that if you were like Joseph, you'd say, hey, hey, man, uh, interpretation belongs to God. Hey, me and him are like this. Hello? Y'all still with me? Just working? That's where we're hit. we got to hang up. We can't minister to somebody else's problem because we hadn't gone and dealt with ours. 
Well, by the way, well, I need to do that, preacher, if we confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There was a divine orchestration. There was a delivered opportunity. But then there was a determined outcome. A determined outcome. A determined outcome. His future was decided. Now watch this. you got to get this. If you don't think it's important to serve right where you are with who you're with, you need to understand something. It was by ministering in such a small form and fashion and in such a small way where he was where nobody else could see it that led him to serve in the palace where everybody saw it. Because it was the one he served. It was the one he ministered to when nobody was looking that got him to serve where everybody could see. Preacher, what are you saying? That tire you change. That handshake you give. That glass of water you share. They could be divinely connected to your destiny. I wish I had time to go through the stories that I have read about people who were just being kind to somebody and had no idea that that person was the greatest blessing in their life. Naomi and Ruth. Ruth said, I'm going to go serve. I'm just going to go work in the field. What happened? God had a plan. There was some divine orchestration going on. You don't think God ain't a Cupid. He's a matchmaker. He sent Ruth to the field. Sent Boaz to the same one. He whispered in Boaz's ear, ain't she a hottie? tired of sitting in the prison it might be that God's waiting you to get busy where you are I don't know what I can do you can sign up on that paper that's first step why well I I, I don't know what I can do well let's see let's go back let's go over this again all you got to do is see a problem let's go over the care ministry motto if y'all can remember Find a need and find a hurt and it's pretty simple, isn't it? But you know what it's going to take? Somebody to care. Even, even if you don't do it because you care about them, I'd do it just to get to my destiny. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you so much for your goodness.